Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Larry Burbacher. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Take your Bibles out. Turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. Let us stand together this morning for the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 7. I got a message that God has laid on my heart. I am so, I've been kind of, I got this several weeks ago. I've been chomping to get to it and I'm ready and we're here and today's Sunday morning. Amen. Uh, Revelation chapter 12. Revelation's an incredible book. It's one of those books people stay away from because they're afraid of it. They don't like beasts and animals and plagues and stuff coming out of the sea and, and people with crowns and on their head and, and uh, all the images of the churches. And it can be kind of frightening. But I want to tell you, we, we miss the important emphasis of Revelation. First of all, Revelation is a manual for worship. If you want to learn about worship, some of the greatest passages you'll find on worship are found in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 1, when he describes Christ. Revelation 4, the scene around the throne. Revelation chapter 5, Revelation 7. And you go through, it's an incredible manual for worship. It is also a manual for warfare. And we're going to talk about warfare this morning. We've sang about overcoming. We've talked about the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimonies. We sang this morning. And we're going to talk about that from God's word about warfare. Now, we are mobilizing an army to go out and make an impact on Somerville, on Goose Creek, on North Charleston. But I will tell you, it will not be done without battle. It will not be done without war. And so we're talking about going out to war, mobilizing the church. There's a lot of imagery that describes the church. It's called the body of Christ. It is called the bride of Christ. It is called the, uh, uh, there's another one I'm trying to think of, body, bride. It's called the family of God. But we are also referred to as an army. Bam. Quickly mobilize, quickly go out for battle. And so we're going to read about that today. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 7. Let's pick it up there. And there was war, there was war in heaven. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. And he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled down to the earth, and his angels with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brothers has been cast down. The one who accused them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Father, today I pray you'll open up our hearts as we open up the word of God this morning. I pray for a special anointing of your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you will equip this church, 
for battle. There's a mighty army in your kingdom. We love you, God. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. How, how many have, have, just by a quick show of hands, how many have just have ever had the privilege of going on a cruise at some time in your life? They're getting pretty popular now. It's not, not a very expensive way to travel. A lot of you, maybe most of you here, have gone on a cruise ship. Cruise ships are awesome. They just come and they bring you food and there's food morning, noon, and night and you get to eat all you want. And they come and you can throw your clothes on the floor or you can throw your towels on the floor. Twice a day, your cabin steward comes and he cleans it up and leaves little animals in the shape of uh, towels on your, on your bed. And, uh, you know, it's just great. And, and, and you, you lay around and they try to entertain you and they have activities all day long, morning, noon, and night. And they'll even stop along the way to islands and you go out and lay out in the sun. And, and the cruise ship experience is all about you, right? You're the center. They exist to meet your every whim, your every desire, to meet every need that you might have for those seven days, ten days, five days on that cruise ship, they exist completely for you. You know what? Some people come to church with the idea this is a cruise ship. What are you going to do for me? How are you going to entertain me? What songs are you going to sing that I like? What, how are you going to dress to please me? And, 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 and you get a cruise ship mentality when we come into church kind of like i am at the center and you're lucky to have me here i want to propose to you the model of the church i see in the word of god is we are on a battleship we're on a battleship and you're going to get sea rations every day and you're going to you're going to risk your life there and you're going to live on a sleep on a hard bunk and you're going to go out and and if you're in times of war you may even lose your life in the battle but I want to propose to you the church is not about me and us coming together and seeing how much fun we can have it's a battleship and we're going out there to take it to the enemy Faith assembly of God, I want you to think of battleship faith. That's who we are. It's what God has called us to do, to be a a battleship, to take it to the front lines. And so while the church needs to be about strengthening one another in the body of Christ and encouraging one another, those are all terms that we love one another, we care for one another, we we, we meet the needs of those who are in. uh, we, We are also called to be reaching out all the time. And as we begin to focus our guns outward uh, and reach out uh, and try to win the lost and those who are all around us, it will not be done without spiritual warfare because the enemy doesn't want to lose somebody he has in his clutches. doesn't want to give up one inch of ground. And so we go and we take it to him and it won't happen without warfare. And so we start with verse 7. Look at it. And there was war in heaven. I want to tell you this warfare that has been going on between the prince and power of the air, between Satan, between the devil, there's a lot of terms to describe them here, has been going on before this world was even formed. The warfare has been going on. The battle has been going on between the, the forces of God and the heavens and the forces of Satan himself, and that battle has been going on, and it continues to this very day. Now, in Revelation 12, he uses several terms to describe our adversary. Let me just give you a few of them very quick. In verse number three, he is called the red dragon. The red dragon. You know, I want to tell you, 
The devil is the motivating force behind every single murder and crime and bloodshed and war that is out there. All the way back to Cain and Abel, when Cain rose up and slew Abel, hit him with the rock, killed him dead, ever since that time, every force of bloodshed has been brought about by the hands of the red dragon. We, we have been horrified these last few weeks as we've seen ISIS get on television and, 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 and they, take, they, they have a tall guy all in black and a, and a poor little journalist right there on his knees. And already they've taken two heads off. We see that. We're, we're, we're in shock by that. It, it revolts our inside. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. We don't know how many heads of children they've chopped off, how many uh, ladies they've killed, how many people they've destroyed. But I want to tell you, behind every bit of that bloodshed is the red dragon. It is an attack of Satan. It is satanic. Satanic. And then in verse number 9, he's called that old serpent. Now, you know the, the, you know the story in Adam and Eve in the garden, and, and the Bible said he came in the form of a serpent or a snake. And when I think of a serpent, I think of someone who's out there to deceive and to trick and, and is wily and crawls on his belly, and so you have deception and lies. Verse number 9, he is called the devil. The word devil means slanderer or accuser. He is somebody who accuses and slanders. In verse number 9, he is also called Satan. The word Satan means adversary. So sometimes you'll hear him referred to as the devil, our accuser. Other times you'll hear him referred to as Satan or our adversary. But those are what those words mean in the Greek language. He is also called Satan. And in verse number 10, he is the devil. He is the accuser of the brethren. Now, here's what he tries to do. The work of Satan is to discredit and accuse the saints of God. He is accusing you. He's coming before the throne of God and he's bringing accusation, railing accusation against the children of God. He is the accuser of the brethren. I'm a brethren. I know God and you know God. If you're a Christian, you're a child of God. We are brothers and sisters and, and Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. In fact, he is relentless. The Bible says day and night he accuses the saints of sin and of weakness like a prosecutor going before a judge, bringing accusation, reviling, slandering. Now let me just throw this little note in here. If you in any way slander or gossip about another brother or sister in Jesus Christ, you are a tool of the devil to carry out his work. If the devil is an accuser, if he is a slanderer, and you get involved in gossip, you are an agent of Satan carrying out his work here on the earth when you gossip and slander and backbite and talk about somebody else. That's why the word of God calls it a great sin because you have just partnered with the enemy. I want to tell you, we better guard our tongues, and guard our speech and Watch what we say. Now, the enemy, how does he accuse? Well, he, he, he says, you're no good. God can't forgive you. You've gone too far. You've sinned too greatly. 
you're not worth anything, you'll never amount to anything. All those are lies of the accuser. But I want to pause right here and remind you that Satan is a defeated foe. He suffered his defeat at the cross. It was at Calvary, Jesus Christ said, it is finished. So while he may still accuse you, no accusation can stick. It can't remain there. It can't lodge against you. It holds no ground anymore. Listen to Hebrews 2.14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil, the accuser. His blood, his death, rejects every accusation of the enemy because the cross destroyed him who has the power of death. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, when we place our faith in his sacrifice and what he did for us, uh, then we are, we are positionally placed in him and I receive his righteousness. Therefore, Satan cannot effectively accuse me anymore. It's over. He's been defeated on the cross. So he may talk a good game, but he can bring no accusation that will stick because I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. He was defeated on the cross. I put my faith in the finished work of the cross. Therefore, no accusation can stand against me. I want want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. He he, he shows a little bit just our, our... the, the place we have in Christ Jesus and what he did for us on the cross and, uh, and what happened in this courtroom. Now picture, picture the Satan as a prosecutor. Picture as him bringing the charges against you. Now look at what happened in this courtroom of heaven. Romans 8 and 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, we know very well who our enemy's at, but what, he's, what Paul is saying to the Romans is, you, don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. You got God on your side. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how he will not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge, accusation, slander against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life. He is at the right hand of God and he is also interceding for us. And so every time Satan comes into the presence of God to accuse us, Jesus Christ is right there as our advocate. And he is interceding for us and he says, hey, that charge can't stick. I've already paid his fine. I've already paid the price. My blood has already been spilled. Uh, No charge can stick or stand against him. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Nobody can because you are hidden in Christ Jesus. He's our intercessor. He's our advocate. He's our defense attorney. And so Satan is kicked out of the courtroom. Like what it said in the word of God, behold, I saw Satan like lightning fall from heaven. He he is kicked out. There can be no accusation that can stand against the child of God. That is wonderful news. The sentence of execution was given to Satan at the cross. 
When he said, it is finished, it was a pronouncement of his sentence. But the time of execution is still in the future. But judgment is certain. It's like he's on death row. He's already been pronounced guilty. He's, he's, he's already uh, bound. But he's on death row waiting for that final judgment and that second death in the lake of fire and brimstone. Now, now when, when, when John writes Revelation, when he writes to the church at Rome, this has got to be, and when he writes the book of Romans, this has got to be incredible hope for them because persecution is breaking out all over the Roman Empire. And they are taking believers and they are burning them at the stakes and they're throwing them to the lions and they will, they will set their bodies on fire and they will, they will be before the gladiators and they'll be killed and they will be pillaged and they will be destroyed and their houses will be burnt up and the persecution is going to be so incredible in that early church under Nero and all those emperors who would follow. But their faith in Jesus Christ remains strong and so Paul writes to Romans, who can lay any charge to God's elect? You are covered. Nothing will separate you from the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. He says in Romans 16.20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath his feet. You may feel like right now you're being crushed down, but there's coming a day uh, when judgment will be carried out on Satan himself. 1 John 4 and verse 4, he reminds the believers, uh, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now this morning I want to take you back. To Revelation chapter 12. And I want to give you a threefold, listen to me, formula for total victory against Satan's accusations. Okay? And I want you to follow along. This will be quick this morning, so stay with me. Follow your outlines, and we'll hit it. Number one, first of all, you got to notice what is the source of my victory? I've already alluded to it, but in Revelation, he says it very clearly they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb. The source of my victory is the blood of the lamb. It's Christ's sacrifice. It is what Jesus Christ did for me. That is, that is my source. All my victory is based in what Christ did on Calvary. And they overcame him, who? Satan. Who? The devil. Whom? The red dragon. Whom? That serpent. How did he overcome them? By the blood of the lamb. It's good news. Hebrews nine twelve. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. But he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. My forever redemption. Apart from the shedding of Christ's blood, it would be impossible to answer those charges of the adversary. Because I want to tell you, when the adversary comes and he accuses us, isn't he often right? When he says you have doubts, you say, yes, I do have doubts. When he says your faith is weak, yes, my faith is weak. When he says you've lusted in your heart, i got to say, yeah, you're right, you got me there. And when he says these things, uh, his accusations are right, uh, but the charge can't stick. Why? Because of the blood of the Lamb. It's his blood that obtained my eternal redemption. The shed blood answers every accusation that Satan can ever bring against me. 
Not only are we victorious in salvation through the blood of the Lamb, but I want to tell you, the blood of the Lamb gives you power for everyday walk with Christ Jesus. It's not an occurrence that happened uh, for me a long time ago when I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and life, but that blood of the Lamb takes me through every single day of my life, and I walk in that victory. Hallelujah. Turn to Romans 8. 37. Stay right there in Romans 8. Look at a little further down, 37. This is uh, every circumstance that I will face, his blood has an answer for it. Every circumstance, every day of your life that you will ever face, you will ever encounter, the blood of Christ has an answer. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither things present nor things future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so when I commit my life to Jesus Christ, he not only saves me and forgives me of my past, but he enables me through his blood to live in present day victory. Because I'm covered in the love of Jesus Christ. And I know nothing can come and, and take that position away that I have in Christ Jesus. And so by faith in the blood... By faith in what Jesus Christ has done for me, I appropriate victory on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. The song we used to sing in the old days, and it's a good song. There is power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Anybody ever heard that song? That's a great one. Hallelujah. Satan wants to get your mind off of the blood. He wants to divert your thinking. He wants to distract you with things of this world and and his own deception. He wants to get your mind off of the blood. Because he knows that's the basis of our salvation and he knows that's the basis of my current victory over sin. It is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but it's through the blood that Satan has already been judged. Uh, he is already defeated and I can walk in that victory. Now, he, he doesn't stop there. When, when, when uh, they write the church in Revelation, when John writes the church in Revelation, it doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and, there's a conjunction word in there, and. Not only do we partake in the blood of the lamb, but we're to speak about his works in our life. And so he calls that, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the power of their testimony. I want to talk to you a little bit about your testimony today and how powerful that is. Now, if, if I overcome, first of all, by the blood of the Lamb, that is my faith in what Christ has done. But when I overcome by my testimony, that's putting my faith into action. And so both are needed for total victory. I put my faith into action. The word of our testimony rebels every deceiving attack of Satan. 
If Satan is an accuser, if he is a slanderer, all I got to do is remind him and remind those around me, but look at what Jesus did for me. Look at how he set me free. I once was bound, but now I'm free. It's not the first time Satan's been defeated by a word. They overcame by the word of their testimony. Remember when Jesus Christ is in that hour of temptation in the wilderness and Satan keeps coming after him and keeps attacking him and, he, and, and three times he rebels him by, it is spoken, it is said in God's word. It's the word of God. The word of God. He used the word of God to defeat every satanic attack. And Satan is so defeated, you get to Matthew 4.11, and then the devil left him. And the angels came and attended unto him. Today we defeat Satan by using the word of God and we acknowledge our resurrected stand in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I speak his word. I declare what God has said about me. I declare my position in Christ Jesus. And that is how we overcome the attack of the enemy. When I testify of Jesus' work in my life, there's dramatic results that come from that. In the spiritual realm, the enemy is pushed back. He, there's nothing he can do. There also, there's some great natural results of that. Not only when you overcome by your testimony is Satan rebuked and pushed back, but it is a witness to everybody else who hears your testimony. It puts a seed of faith in their heart, so they begin to say, you know what, if he did it for them, he can do it for me. And so they have faith to believe that, yes, I may be messed up. I may be, have had a, be in a terrible life right now. I may be into drugs or, or a failed marriage or been in prison or this or that happened to me. Uh, but Christ, if he did it for him, he can do it for me. Faith can rise up in their lives. When we share our story of Jesus' transforming work, it, it, all it takes, the Bible says, is a grain, faith is a grain of mustard seed. And they can be transformed and changed. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And then the third thing he talks about is their attitude. And I want you to listen to this. And they love not their lives unto death. The church was so defeated, excuse me, the church was so devoted to Christ Jesus, they did not shrink back when they were threatened. They did not recount recant their belief in Christ. They did not turn away from him. Uh, they remained steadfast in their allegiance to Jesus Christ. They loved lot, not their lives unto death. John is saying devotion to Christ is more important than life itself. Our devotion to Christ Jesus is more important than life itself. And that's how the early church overcame. Every time they would kill somebody for their testimony, their faith in Christ Jesus, two more would rise up to take their place. And, and, and the Christianity exploded across the Roman Empire. And the more they tried to stamp out Christianity, the more they tried to kill the believers, the more they lined them up on the Appian Way and, and lit them on fire. It was like trying to put out a fire with one foot. You just stamp on it and you spread the sparks everywhere. And every time they would stamp out on one believer, the sparks would go to somebody else and somebody else. And the church began to multiply and grow. 
Acts 20, they, they, they tell the apostle Paul, they say, Paul, if you go up to Jerusalem, Paul says, I got to go to Jerusalem. He said, if you go up there, they're going to put you in prison and you will possibly even die. And here's what the apostle Paul said. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Even today, Satan is is on an all-out rampage to destroy the church. And, And while we're in America and there's no one been martyred for their faith in America in a long time, Maybe ever in this country, I don't know. Do you realize today there are more people dying every year for their faith in Jesus Christ than at any time in history? In the Sudan, in Nigeria, in Islamic countries in the Middle East. It is estimated there are over 100,000 believers who are killed every year for their faith in Jesus Christ. And we're comfortable air conditioning, we come on Sunday morning, we've done God a big favor if we got up on Sunday and came to church. And there are believers who are being killed right now because they won't renounce Jesus Christ. It's happening all around. Peter gives some encouragement to those who are going to be executed, killed, destroyed, Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. I want to read these verses to you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now he puts these attacks back on Satan trying to destroy and devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Listen, the enemy is attacking. We are in a warfare. And he says, be steadfast, be alert, be strong. Don't recant. Don't renounce Jesus Christ because... Your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a while. In other words, he says, this life is temporary. And even if they do take your life, after you've suffered a while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. There is a day coming when we will be with Christ forever. Jesus promises in Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, Satan tries to reverse that verse. He tries to switch it around. He he, he wants you to think more importantly of yourself and your own gratification and to think about the temporary, to get our mind off that which is eternal. But the Bible says wherever man tries to find his own life, in the end, he winds up losing it. He becomes the biggest loser. Only a Christian who can honestly say with the apostle Paul that that my desire to depart and be with Christ is far better is able to overcome the enemy and resist him because he's able to face whatever comes his way. Paul says for me to be To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you kill me, I win. I don't lose, I win. And that's how he could stand up 
against the attack of the enemy and the persecution that came their way. And so in Revelation, he says, they loved not their lives even unto death. It was more important for them to overcome the enemy, to finish the task God gave them to do. And he said through that, they were able to overcome Satan. Now we don't, I don't think anybody in here will face martyrdom, execution, be shot, beheaded, whatever the case may be. But I think every one of us need to understand we ourselves go through a death experience when I identify with what Christ Jesus did for me. And let me take it a step further. Every time you stand for the Lord and you share your testimony in public and you tell people what Christ has done for you, what God has done for you through his grace, that that fear of shame wants to rise up and shut you up. When you're at work and they're talking around the water cooler and you have an opportunity to share your testimony, uh, something inside of you say, I don't want to ruffle their feathers. I don't want to speak up. I don't want to open up my mouth right now. I don't want to give them a reason for the hope that lies within me. Uh, Every time you cower down, uh, you give the enemy more of a foothold in that area around you. But when you rise up and you share your testimony, uh, you take the risk of being rejected. You take the risk of shame. Uh, You, in a sense, are dying to yourself when you open your mouth and share your testimony. We love our reputation. We love our reputation, but the Bible says they love not their lives even unto death. So in some ways, when I share my testimony, I'm putting it all out there on the line for God. Jesus died not only to forgive sin, but take away his sting. He says the shame of sin is gone. There is no greater way to overcome the shame of sin than when I go public with my testimony and say, this is where I once used to live. Uh, This is where my life used to be, but now Christ has set me free. Uh, Now I'm no longer like that anymore. Now my life has changed. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Now today, we're going to, do some spiritual warfare. You guys ready? Today we're going to put a whooping on the enemy. Anybody heard that word, put a whooping? That's a good southern phrase. Give him a good whooping. Now I would encourage everybody who knows Jesus Christ, at some point you probably need to sit down and write down your testimony. You need to have a long version, the 10-minute the, the version, and you need to have about the 3-minute version because sometimes your opportunities will be about 3 minutes. Other times you'll be able to talk for 10, 15 minutes about what Christ has done for you. But everybody ought to be ready on a moment's notice to share their testimony of what Christ did for you and how he transformed your life. And you don't glorify the past, but you mention the past and you say, but today I got joy and I've got peace and, I, and I'm free and the anxiety's gone and the pressure's gone and the, uh, my marriage has been restored. And you begin to share the victories of what Christ Jesus has done. And so you learn that testimony, you develop it, and you have it as an arsenal in your warfare. Remember, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So one of the weapons of our warfare is the word of our testimony. And so if you don't know how to share that, how to communicate that with somebody else, you, you, you won't have that arsenal in your weaponry. Now we're going to, at Faith Assembly, I'm excited to share with you that, that in next February we're going to release a book. 
It's going to have a book of our stories, faith stories. Stories of people right here from this church, from all of our campuses, of their testimonies, their God story, how Christ changed them, how Christ transformed them, what the Lord did in their life. And so that's going to be happening uh, next February. Now, what we're going to do today is, and we're going to, we can only use seven stories, or the, rest of the book would be like this thick, and no one would read it. It's going to be an evangelism tour. We're going to send it out to people. We're going to hand it out to people. We're going to let people know what Christ has done for us. We're going to overcome Satan by the word of our testimony. And so what I want you to do is, is in a few moments, we're going to take this sheet of paper out, take your bulletins out, and I want you to hold it up. You've got a sheet in here. Share your story. And uh, we're partnering with Good News Publishing. And uh, we're, you're going to look at this story right here, and you're going to check a box. And uh, this is your story. This is your testimony right here. And, and so you'll check one of those boxes that relate to you or apply to you. Uh, you're going to, you may check several of those boxes. Hopefully not every one of them, but, you know, maybe. I don't know. And you're going to put your name down there, and best time to call. And then briefly at the bottom and on the top of the next page, you're going to just share in a, probably a paragraph, 30 words or less, what Christ did for you. What we're going to do is we're going to partner with Good News Publishing. We're going to take all these testimonies and look them over. Now, by the way, when they publish the book, they change all the names in the book. But at the back of the book, there's a map how you can get to that church, how you can be there, how you can, uh, those people are going to be in the church you're going to be attending, you're going to be worshiping at, and there's hope for your life. There's hope for you at Faith Assembly. And there'll be a directions and a map on how to get there. And so, but they change the names so they don't, uh, so you don't have to feel like, you know, whatever. And so uh, I want you to take a moment, take this out right now. Take that pen in your hand and you're going to begin to fill this out. Now here's, I want to read verse 10 to you again while you're looking at this. Let's go back to Revelation. And I, I close with this thought. Revelation chapter 10 or 12 and verse number 10. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ. For the accuser of the brothers accused them day and night has been hurled down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. What happens when we share our testimony? What happens when we overcome through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. He lists four things in verse number 10. Salvation. Now has come salvation. And we are believing that out of this book that's going to be sent out and distributed all around the low country, out of this book, men are going to be saved. They're going to see their story in there somewhere. They're going to identify with somebody else. There'll be a plan of salvation in the back of the book, how they can give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm believing out of this will come salvation. And power. Power, the Bible says. Power to deliver. Power to set free power in the name of Jesus. We sang about that power. And it says the kingdom of our God. I believe God's kingdom rule is going to expand all around this area and the authority of our Christ is going to be established in the lives of individuals and, and Satan is going to be defeated. And what's going to happen is Satan's going to be hurled down and Jesus Christ is going to be lifted up. How? By the power of your testimony. I want you to take a moment and fill that out right now. And while you're filling it out, we, want, we wanted to share a testimony this morning. This kind of gives you a good 
capsule nutshell of how a person might share their testimony, how a person might share their story. And yes, it's a true story, and yes, it's a person right in our church. And, and so we're going to play that right now, and I want you to pay attention to the screen, and then we'll come and collect those sheets, and we're going to give the enemy a black eye. We're going to see him hurled down from heaven again and again and again. Cast that accuser of the brethren down. Take a look at the story. Yeah, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Casey. And this is our story. We met in Minnow Wells, Texas, while we were both in high school. After we graduated, um, Jonathan decided to go into the Navy um, so we could get our life back on track. Um, we were kind of running with the wrong crowd, doing the wrong things, so um, we thought that that would be the best. Before he went into boot camp, I found out I was pregnant. We decided we would get married. Um, Shortly after that, the Navy sent us to South Carolina where Jonathan would attend school and we would um, move into our own home. So we were young 18-year-olds in our own home with our, I was pregnant with my son, Dominic. And um, we would end up having friends over all the time. Most of the people that were in school with Jonathan lived in the barracks, so we had parties all the time. It was a lot of underage drinking and most of the, most of the nights we would end up arguing and fighting and just seemed to get worse as the days went on. Shortly after Jonathan graduated from um, his school in the Navy, we got stationed in Hawaii, and we thought that things would get better. Um, We had our daughter, Ashlyn, and um, the drinking became more excessive, and it just became hard to deal with, and um, it wasn't wasn't a great life that we were living. So in 2007, um, that night would change our lives. Jonathan had one of his... um, a night of drinking a lot of alcohol, and I would end up calling the cops and putting him in jail. We were on our way for a divorce. Uh, that's in 2008. My grandfather, who I was very close to, uh, he wound up passing away. And in February of 2008, when I came home for the funeral, that was the first time I had seen my family in, in months. Things didn't change Im- immediately, uh, but there at the funeral, I, I, had, a, I had a moment where I realized that I had become everything that I never wanted to be. And the next day I went to pick up my kids for uh, a fishing trip. We went fishing that day and it was that day on the, in the middle of the lake on a boat dock with no pastors, no Bible, no music, no nothing, where I decided I was gonna completely change my life and surrender to the Lord. We began to start making things work again. Uh, we moved here to South Carolina and immediately got involved right here at Faith Assembly. I joined the church in September of 2008. Shortly after we got here, we got involved. We got um, in a life group, and we were invited by Bill and Cindy Abbott, and they began to mentor us. They began to have Bible studies with us, and it was great to have them um, just lift us up and help grow us in our spiritual walk. Um, Just getting involved was what changed our lives, Um, being able to meet new people that were living their lives for God and um, just seeing the change that it was making in us and in our family. And then in in 2009, we actually became leaders of a life group ourselves. Uh, We we did that for about a year or so, and then I I went to fully commit myself uh, to volunteering in the youth group and really helping Jason there. And then in 2011, that's when we actually came on staff here at the church as at first the middle school pastors and then in 2012 and ever since we've been uh, serving as your high school pastors. And that's our story of a life that was marked by alcoholism and anger and 
near divorce to one that's now, through the work of Christ in us, being completely surrendered to Him, is now one uh, that will be being used as tools uh, to help build His kingdom. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Did you see it? Satan fall like lightning. <laughs> the accuser cast down again by the power of our testimony. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.